What is going on you guys and welcome back to another video. If you're new here, my name is Brandon, here with my father Mark. Today we're going to be covering the topic of when is it a good time to sell a stock? And there was a specific comment that came in on last yesterday's video and it was the most liked comment basically saying that there's a lot of thought and decisions that go into buying a stock yet you don't hear too much about when to sell a stock. And, and selling is the hard part. Selling it's, is the hard part. Yeah. It's easy to buy. I totally agree with that. And yeah. especially in the environment that we are in, I think there's a lot of companies right now that have done very, very yeah. well. Yeah. And a lot of investors, especially if you're new to the market, is like, do I buy, do I sell this? Do I trim it? Do I keep riding this wave? There's so many thoughts that come into it. And today we want to go over five considerations that any investor should go through to help come to that ultimate decision. And we will be finishing off this video with the, the topic on rebranding. So stick around to the end about that if you uh, if you care for that. But that's gonna be at the end of this video. But hey, if you guys enjoyed, give this video a thumbs up. I say we dive straight on into this. Let's go. Let's go. Let's start with consideration number one. And this is when you have a stock that's done well before you even think about the technicals and the nitty gritty. The first question I think you need to ask yourself is whether your initial thesis for investing in the stock is still valid. And in many cases, over the holding period of a position, a ton of stuff can change from a fundamental level, from a company specific level. Some clear examples would be if you're looking at, let's say a management team, a new CEO comes into place and the direction that a company once was heading and hey, maybe you participated in a great spur of growth. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's not the case going forward. Often when you look back at your original the decision that you made to buy the stock, whether it's the economy, whether it's the stock market, whether it's company specific, things do change. And in order to make a prudent decision, a wise decision, you have to assess from the current day whether that thesis is still valid. Mm -hmm. You could almost say, if you were starting from scratch and assume you didn't own it, would you buy that position today? And if the answer is probably not, well, then there's probably a good reason that you may want to sell the position if you wouldn't buy it today, right? For those changes that have occurred. Another common example would be you have a company with a founder that's been involved for many, many years. Then at some point they pull back or they sell their shares or they exit from the company. There's a fundamental change that the thesis is because you believed in this person, they're no longer part of the picture. So it doesn't mean the company won't do well, but that might be another reason that you might want to exit from there. I would say consideration number two would be assess whether the position we're talking about is a core holding for you or whether it is something like sort of the core and explore. Maybe this is a company that you bought on the periphery to take advantage of, for example, an economic condition. And if we look back in recent history, when the markets have corrected that type of thing, there may be a sector or a company that has been hurt and you felt you've gone in and analyzed it and thought, wow, there's a real opportunity here. For example, let's take uh, during COVID, the airline industry or the cruise line uh, sector. You may look back and say, oh, wow, th these are opportunities that you know I've never seen before. Yes, uh, your your thesis is when the, the recovery when the recovery occurs, these should you know over benefit because they've been over hurt. That may be the reason that you went in with a shorter term whole you know, time horizon. Well, here we are now. Vaccines are being rolled out things are looking better. And so if those companies have recovered or gone to a point where you feel uh, I've made my money on there, that thesis of them being damaged uh, no longer applies. That would be another example as well. That would be for more of an explore type holding. But by the same token, if you have a company that you plan on owning for the rest of your life, I mean, let's just use Coca-Cola and that's a, a, a famous one that Buffett holds. And he said, my favorite holding period is forever. Even though the company may have done well, 
you wouldn't really want to exit that position but you may want to trim it. So if it's gone up and it's now representing a heavier weighting in your portfolio than you feel comfortable with, um, the decision to sell is to sell partially and just bring that position back in line so you don't have too many eggs in one basket essentially, right? I think a third consideration would be more on the portfolio level and looking at basically the overall asset allocation or the overall weightings to your holdings or what type of targets you've set because this decision alone this doesn't necessarily look at the company itself, but it looks at your overall balance. And that can then uh, suggest what you should be doing with a specific holding. Let's assume that you're an investor who hopefully has some sort of plan in place and some sort of strategy in terms of how much money you wanna put into a specific sector or how much money you wanna put into a specific stock. Maybe you have a personal limit that says, I don't wanna hold more than five or 10% in a specific company, otherwise that's just too much risk, whatever the company is. And it's tough when you have a company that's doing well because you tend to fall in love with it and you wanna let it run. But if you've set those caps or those ceilings, if a stock has exceeded that, from a strictly portfolio manage, management standpoint, that could be another consideration that suggests in this case, probably trimming the position, mm -hmm. probably to get you back under that uh, target weighting. Maybe, it, like you said, if this is one of your uh, you know, explore stocks, or I like to call them peripheral stocks, mm. outside of your core long-term holds, if you were in it for maybe a shorter-term reason, or if it's just more a speculative company that you've done very well on, and you're like, listen, I could go on, I'm okay without holding stock, Take that may suggest taking the entire profits and putting that money elsewhere. But if it's one of your core holdings, again, looking at it in terms of the overall balance, I think that's a very strong consideration, a very strong factor as to why you would sell and whether you would trim or whether you would just it, take the entire position. And, and that could come into play whether it is um, like a sector. So maybe it's the, the, the resource sector or the tech sector or the financials. If you have a, a group of companies that have done particularly well, you may want to trim back from some of the positions within that sector because just like a one company can get too big of a weighting, so can a sector get too big, big, big of a weighting as well. Or could be simply you've got too much inequities. Asset you know, class gee, too. Asset class as well. So the you know the pizza pie, you've got your slices, and if one slice has become too big, uh, then it would make sense to trim back from there. Again, this would probably be not selling out, but just taking some taking some profits and, and rebalancing. I'm just going to segue into into uh, consideration number four that you would have once you've decided that you want to trim a position or that you should trim a position, we like to take that fundamental research and the logic behind that and we like to marry that up with some technical considerations as well. Now, there's a whole field, technical trading. I mean, the day traders use specifically, you know, it's all they do. All they do, technical blips on a screen, that type of thing. And if that's what, if that's what you, the way you're managing money, that's what you have to focus exclusively on. We tend to focus more on the fundamental side of things, but we do use technicals as you know to assist us with those ultimate decisions. Um, we're going to put a chart up here that's going to show us a few of the different ones that we look at, and you know we can't really get too much into detail in in this uh, in this video, but let's look at some of the ones that we do look at more. So let's look at the um, two called the RSI and the MACD. And I know we spoke about these in a recent video and we had a lot of people saying, can we learn a little bit more about those? This is not a technical course, but we're going to use as an example, the current core, uh, current um, situation, a chart of the Royal Bank. So if we look at the bottom of this chart, you're going to see those two indicators. So the, the RSI, now this stands for the relative strength index and the MACD stands for the Moving Average Convergence Diverge 
it's hard to say the movie Diver- average, convergence divergence con- convergence divergence indicator. So these are what are called momentum indicators, and this tells you, uh, you know, whether a company is moving in a certain direction, the speed in which the company is moving. So if companies grow, if the, if the share price is growing rapidly, you're going to see a steeper line. If it's flat, you're going to see, you know, a, a much flatter line. The RSI, there's a couple of horizontal lines you'll see here, and the two key indicators that are normally used are the levels are 70 on the upside and 30 on the downside. And really, as a rule of thumb, it simply means if the RSI or if this indicator is at a level above 70, that can indicate that the, the, the stock is overbought. So there's too much interest in it there. It's gone up to a price that it will be hard to sustain that. And you generally won't see a company trade for long above the, into that, you know, above that 70 threshold. On the other side, um, I'll just touch on this briefly because just to give full context, but on 30 on the downside when a stock is um, oversold, we use the indicator. So if it's trading in the 20s or below 30, it would be considered oversold. For the purpose of this video, we're talking about when do you sell a company. Mm-hmm. So A winning company. Uh, I think, yeah, was, the, actually, I think that you, was the exact comment. It was. When do you sell a company that you bought and it's winning and it's mm-hmm. hard to do that. Well, we would use the technical indicator of the RSI as one of those starting points and just say, if it's above 30, Let's look at some other things. So we've decided we probably should sell. Above 70, I believe you said. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, yep. believe you, I believe you I said did, that. so thank you. If it's trading above 70, yeah. then that might be a, an indicator. We're also going to look then at the at the uh, the MACD, which in this particular example, we see there is still momentum. You see the black mm-hmm. line going up above the red, and you're going to see generally a time when that line turns, and then specifically when it crosses the red line. Known as a death cross. The death cross. And when you have the RSI above 70 and you have the black line coming down and crossing, we use those a lot together. Now, these are not going to tell you 100%. And if we look back over history, there are times, and even if we look back at this chart, back to, say, September of last year, you're going to notice we had exactly those circumstances. The RSI was well above 70. You saw that MACD turn negative uh, right about the beginning of September. And then sure enough, if you look at the chart, you did see a pullback there. A shorter-term pullback, yeah. A shorter-term pullback. You're going to see that. uh, You're going to see many of those false signals, but it's important to, to be aware of this as an idea. Now, a couple of other things we'll look at here today are what are called a pivot point. So a pivot point, you'll notice here, is indicated by the P. And the pivot point is basically just a, a technical indicator. And it's uh, simply the, um, the average of the intraday high and low and the closing price from the previous day. Basically, what that means is when the stock is trading above that pivot point, that means that it is a bullish sentiment on the stock. And if it's trading below the pivot point, that would indicate that there's a, a bearish sentiment there. This also, the, the pivot point can also be used. It includes what are called support and resistant levels. And those are shown by what we see here. In our case, we're looking at the resistance levels R1 and R2. When, uh, again, just using strictly math as the example, when, they, when a company is trading, when a stock is trading up at those levels, uh, once it breaks through, it generally means it might move to the next pivot level or next support level, rather, uh, or resistance level in the case of a stock going up. Or um, when it drops below that, it'll indicate again that uh, there might be more movement on that side. 
nothing is guaranteed when you're coming to these um, these technical indicators. This is all part of rounding out the bigger picture. Lastly here, we'll just talk on the 200-day uh, moving average, which you'll see by the red line there. You'll see in, in many cases when the stock, in this case, is trading well above that 200-day moving average, one of two things has to happen. The moving average over time has to move up to equal that level or the stock price comes down. And again, you'll see a lot of history where it's a combination of those two, but it might be an indication when you marry it with everything else that we've talked about. You've decided, going back to the beginning, you, you, you should sell the stock. This can tell you, should I hold it a little bit longer or maybe it's you know more urgent to take care of that right now, yeah. I think that's very important what you just finished there. There is a sequence that this this yeah. occurs in. Mm -hmm. You want to do the fundamental analysis and make your decision on a fundamental level first, yeah. and then these uh, indicators come in to help confirm that. Yes, you, you don't well want to go, you will come across people that, like you said, go strictly off this, but these should be used as a confirmation to yes. say, well, hey, maybe this does look like a time to trim. Maybe this is a little bit overbought. It's, it's, supporting, it's supporting your fundamental your research, yeah. And I yeah. think that's the best way to use these. Mm. Let's move on to our fifth and final consideration, actually we have another little one, but let's move on to our fifth consideration. And this I think is again an overriding decision that needs to be made. And you need to ask yourself whether there is a better alternative mm -hmm. or a better place to put your money. And this alone can be a, not even looking at any of these uh, you know, pivot points, anything you want to uh, look at here. If you assess that there is a better alternative for your money uh, to invest your money elsewhere, that alone can suggest that you sell the stock and you you take those profits, you move the money elsewhere. We're going to assume you have limited resources. You, don't, you only have so many dollars, right? So like you, most people <laughs> in their portfolios, you only have so much, yeah. We're not governments where we can just create more money, right? No. So as an individual, yeah, you have to allocate, right? Totally. And I think uh, a very clear case of this is, let's assume you own a stock. I, I don't want to use Tesla as an example because that has come down, but let's assume you have a stock that's done very, very well. And there's a lot of excitement. The stock is pushed up. You need to ask yourself at the current mm. level, right? If this stock's done super well, how much more growth does this company have in store? And often because the market is very optimistic and they are forward looking, it's very common that investors and the public will actually price in all of the future expectations. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. company's gonna grow this much. Uh, this is gonna be happening over the next year or two years. So we're gonna price that in now. You'll hear a term called when a stock is priced to perfection. It's basically, we factor in all what we expect and we believe this product should be, pricing, uh, should be priced here today. Well, if the company isn't able to meet those expectations, if they can't hit their goals and objectives, there's a pretty clear direction that this stock could head because again, everything's priced in. And I think if you have a stock that has done well, in many cases, this is almost building up my first point, but you need to assess at the current day, yeah. how much more do you expect uh, to have it going forward? And often, it, you will find opportunities where if you took those profits, you could find another area of the market which has been beaten down, which is, let's say, more of a recovery play, or maybe just in your overall portfolio, you need to rebalance. Taking those profits and redeploying them, mm -hmm. that could be kind of the overall uh, thought process as to whether you should trim or sell out and take that money and put it to work somewhere else. That's that's huge. and It, that's, it comes down to sort of basic rebalancing, but when mm -hmm. you do rebalance and you you take some profits um, if you're being prudent. And the first thing you typically look for is where are good companies that have been maybe beaten down or are trading at an undervalued. And 
even though you you have a great company, mm-hmm. you may have a, an opportunity. There's more value uh, by reallocating those those assets. Um, nothing's a silver bullet, but that's a, a good prudent strategy for sure. You have to be able to consider the downside with a stock that has mm-hmm. done well, and it's easy to let your biases take over. It's yeah. easy to let the FOMO kick in and say, I don't want to sell out of this stock. It's done so well for me. But as a stock climbs higher and higher, in theory, you are taking on more and more risk. There's more downside potential. So mm-hmm. all of these things should be put into consideration and mm-hmm. all used together. No single one of these considerations will tell you what to do, but you are kind of trying to piece all these little puzzle pieces together to make an overriding decision. I think it's... Uh, I think those are kind of some of the things you got to think about. Those are, I mean, those are five, I would call key considerations and some of them are independent of the others, but for the most part, anytime you're making a decision to buy, or in this case, to sell a winning stock, you want to look at different pieces to the puzzle and then you get a picture, right? And uh, once you put them all together, you go, yep, it's time to do it or, or let it ride. One thing we really advocate, do your work, do you know all the things we've just talked about. Now, once you've made the decision, make the trade, and then don't look back. Other than maybe it, yeah. as a learning experience, right? There's this hindsight bias, and you know whether you're buying a pair of shoes or a new suit or whether you're selling a stock, we tend to then watch the price and see, oh, if we only would have held on a little bit longer. You know, investing is forward-looking, and um, like I say, aside from learning from your successes and your mistakes in the past, don't uh, don't let it you know beat you up. If you're a baseball player and you strike out, you come back out the next you know the next at bat, and you're you're starting from scratch, and you want to have a positive frame of mind. So yeah, don't uh, don't beat yourself up if you make a call based on the right things to do, and it just doesn't turn out mm-hmm. in the short term. Um, you know, a year down the road, you're probably not going to be looking back and, and seeing anything there. One last thing to consider on selling a stock, if we're talking about a taxable account, so not an RRSP, not a RIF, that type of thing, but if you have it in a margin account, in a just a regular investment account, you do have to factor in tax, um, you know, the tax implications of doing it. And there isn't one answer, should you, shouldn't you, it depends on things like your other sources of income. It determines things like, you know, do you have capital losses that you can offset capital gains? We're talking in a scenario like this, there w- will be gains. It's a whole nother- Many considerations, personal many con- considerations at that level. Break down to the individual person. Mm-hmm. So um, without getting into, you know, explaining everything, it is something that you need to consider. I think you did a, a video fairly Taxes, recently yeah. on on how that so maybe maybe have a look Pop at that up video here somewhere, yeah yeah and uh, just one thing to consider because you don't want to just blindly make a trade for all the right reasons and only to find out that you have a big tax bill uh, doable very very yeah. true yeah. well hey why don't we transition now I feel like this video is getting long again but um, we blab on forever we do <laughs> we wanted to finish this one off with a with a, just a quick talk on rebranding so mm-hmm. thank you guys all for sticking through if you enjoyed the video if you learned something you give this a thumbs up first of all. Because, um, yeah, we had so many, so many uh, great feedbacks yeah. and comments and suggestions from you guys as to whether to rebrand or whether to not rebrand. Mm-hmm. And we thought long and hard about this. Yeah. And uh, we've come up with a decision, but I think we wanted to just quickly show you guys some of the uh, some of the funny suggestions. Some of the contenders, we, the contenders that we got. Small C contenders. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, a very common. Well, first of all, the the two most um, suggested were a leave it as is, mm-hmm. and b just change it to Beavis, Beavis invest, Investing. Yeah, Beavis Investing instead of Brandon Beavis Investing. So, And they were like neck and neck with suggestions. Pretty much neck and neck, exactly. A couple of, a number of other ones that came in that we liked. Um, there was uh, Nick Nico, Nick Nico. He's he, a student of ours. Oh, he's a student. Yeah. Nick, his idea was the Rum and Coke YouTube channel. Now, I have no idea 
why where that would come from but uh maybe if you think of something yeah right uh, (laughs) i didn't get this one the leave it to the beavis yeah you didn't get leave it to beavis now for those of you who are my age or older of course uh you know leave it to beaver was a very very popular sitcom uh back in the day and so leave it to leave it to beavis is a play off of the the leave it to beaver and if you don't know that you should you should go check out the beave i'm good yeah We got um, a strange one. We got it from, it said Jesse Beavis Investing is mm. the, the name. And then he also, the same fellow commented, P.S. to you guys need some pants. I can buy you guys pants. It's pretty cold out there. I don't know who that weirdo is. I don't know. That's, that did not make the final grade for sure. Brandon and Daddy Beavis Investing. A 47 thumbs up at the time that we did this uh, screen. Brandon and Daddy Beavis Investing. Uh, that was another play off the the father mm-hmm, I yeah, like a lot of mm-hmm. thumbs up you're right boomer zoomer investing the lone space marine boomer and, Zo- and zoomer i like that i mean that was to me uh, a good name but uh boomer and zoomer is that the idea i guess so boomer and zoomer are you a zoomer uh i guess i know i'm a boomer yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that uh but uh, I don't know what Zoomer. I thought you were a, a millennial, but maybe it's the same thing. I'm not sure. Mm, yeah, I don't know. But, uh, Th- this one was this one was clearly uh, this one was inevitable. It had to happen. Yeah. yeah. Isha boy a day. Okay, hear me out. Beavis and Butthead investing. Dot dot dot. I'll see myself out. Yeah, I mean we knew that was coming. Uh, and uh, Isha Isha boy, yeah, you can see yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I I'm a you know I was a. In my early 20s, in the um, 80s and 90s, when Beavis and Butthead was the rage, and so I couldn't go buy a loaf of bread without somebody commenting. Um, lastly, uh, we the one of the ones that we thought was um, Beavis Senior and Butthead. I didn't like this one whatsoever. Well, I liked it because at least it differentiated which is which. The uh, the Beavis and Butthead was a little bit ambiguous, but. Uh, I voted for this one, and Brandon, being the founder of this channel, overruled me, and so we have made a decision. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, again, factoring everything in, it was a tough decision. Not really, but... It was, it, it was kind of... We we deliberated, but it was, at the end of the day, an easy decision, I would say. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Go for it. You let them know. Okay. We've decided to stay with the original Brandon Beavis investing. And, you know, yeah, we looked at different considerations and, and thank you to everybody for contributing to that debate. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, Brandon started, he, his, this was his whole concept to go out and teach millennials how to invest and have this, this resource available. So uh, out of pure respect for what he has built, um, for me, at the end of the day, it was kind of fun to think of different things, but it was so easy. Uh, the channel will remain Brandon Beavis investing, and I'm just looking forward to to being a contributor and helping out how I can. Well, thank you, Dad. Because, yeah, that was, um, yeah, we, we talked about it together, but you made the ultimate decision there, and that, that means a lot to me. Like, like I said, I was fine with either. It yeah, didn't right. matter to me. It's, it's a name, but, um, you know, your decision process behind the name is really what, you know, makes me happy. So yeah, that's... Yeah. Uh, Well-deserved. That Well-deserved, for sure. Thank you. And we'll see where we can take it from here. Who knows? If, we, if Jesse does join the channel, then, then we may we have to rethink it again there. Then we go be this yeah. investing. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. I, say, I say we run with that. Wrap up today's video. Thank you guys so much for watching. Thanks again for uh, all the support. Yeah. Drop a big thumbs up. Drop a comment down below. Uh, as always, if you are not subscribed to this channel, we post videos every week. 
So make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell for notifications. That way you know right when we post a video, you can be one of the first ones to watch it. And then as always, we do have our investing academy. So if you want to learn more about the things we looked at today, or if you're just a beginner or even more advanced, we have our advanced program coming out uh, targeted March 31st. Mm-hmm. So it's we're putting the we're tinkering <laughs> the finishing touches on it. So it's, uh, it's a project. But that's obviously going to be a, a very in-depth program where we go into all the technicals and uh, everything that we look for and use on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. We also have a program for beginners that are just getting started and need help with the beginners. The very basic. Yeah, yeah. Getting, getting walked through, setting up accounts. We have that all. You can learn all about that down below in the description. But as always, we thank you guys for watching. We hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you in the next video.